Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. A very merry draft, Miss to you, and welcome to a special edition of the AP Laboratory. So special that I flipped the intros, and I did it on purpose because it is draft season, and today is a very special day for all of us. It is the launch of the KC Draft Guide. I'm joined by Maddie Lane. I'm joined by Craig Stout. Mad- Maddie, how are you feeling? It's, it's release day. How are you feeling today, my man? Man, I felt great. For the past week, I've just been hanging out, like I said last week, watching fun players that I find fun. I didn't have to join you guys in the final editing processes. You guys said I was too computer illiterate or some kind of mean words and verbal attacks. So that was fine. I kicked back. I watched fun players. I watched Porter Gustin every single day since then. I watched a lot of basketball. I've had a good weekend. I know you guys are a little more stressed out. So how are you feeling, Craig? I'm uh, ready to sleep. <laughs> I too. <laughs> it was it wasn't too bad. It was actually no, I was, was I, I enjoyed being part of it. Um yeah. got we kind of helped at the back end of some of this stuff with some of the layout stuff. It was uh it was uh it was a lot of work the last, you know, 6 months. But fellas, we made it. it. We it's it was it's it. so worth it. And I can't believe I can't believe what the final product looks like. Um if you haven't had a chance to look at it, go to gum.co/kcdraft. Uh, you can still order it there, um, and you're going to be able to order it all the way through the draft. Uh, one of the things we wanted to kind of do today is kind of talk about some of the stuff that you can expect in it. And this isn't going to be an in, this isn't going to be a, a 30 minute intro infomercial either. It, it, we we got a lot of like in depth stuff to discuss, and we're going to just kind of take some of the stuff from the guys so you can kind of get a feel for what you can expect. And honestly, with Maddie Lane in the, involved, it's not a 30 minute <laughs> infomercial. It's probably a 50 minute infomercial yeah. anyway. But no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some Chiefs player comps that wound up in the guide. I think that would be kind of fun to talk about some trade strategies that the Chiefs might be able to employ based on some research that I did. We're going to talk about uh, Steve Spagnolo's criteria that he typically covets for edge players, which I think will be interesting. And then uh, Craig actually had did some really deep dive analysis on cornerbacks and their athletic testing. And uh, we're going to kind of tell you some players that meet certain athletic uh, thresholds. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Jalen Ferguson. <laughs> Elite. Mean corner. Mean corner. Elite. He would be a uh, tier four corner. He'd be a tier eight corner. Nah. <laughs> and my man 8.08 knows how to turn and run. My man can turn and run. Uh, Let I'm me sh- tell you. I'm sure he can. Um, one quick thing I wanted to mention, if you guys are cracking open your, your Casey draft guides for the first time here in the next day or so, make sure you read the welcome page. I think there's some really important information in there that will kind of tell you how to read the thing how to kind of 
take the information we're giving you. It can it's almost an FAQ, frequently asked questions kind of page too, where it just kind of explains what each piece of this thing means. It's kind of a key and a guide for how to use the guide, and I think it'll be really helpful and it might answer some of the questions that you might have as you're reading through it. So um, that's my one thing. Uh, let's just jump right into it, guys. I we have some we have some Chiefs player comps that I think are really fun, and uh, we're just all going to take turns, you know, kind of talking through some guys. Maddie and Craig obviously already know these player comps, but I'm going to give you guys all a second to guess after each one that are the people that are listening to it. Cause I mean, some of these are pretty obvious. The last one is not very obvious maybe. And uh, we're going to go ahead and just give a free guide away with a promo code for it. So uh, listen ahead here in a few minutes and, and you'll get to hear all this stuff. So I'm going to start us off guys. Daniel, uh, I just gave away the, Oh, stop. <laughs> No, you didn't. You're good. No, no, good. no we're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're just gonna keep going. Daniel Jones. Uh, so we're gonna. I've got a player comp for him. I thought I gave away, but I didn't. You did it. Gross. It's been a while. I thought I did for a second. <laughs> Daniel Jones. Okay, so you've got a smart, cerebral, sneaky, athletic quarterback um, who likes to throw short and uh, and is tough. Okay, I wonder who that is. This guy gets a comp every single year. Other guys I remember recently being comped to him, Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, you're tra- you're right. It's if everybody knows, everybody on the sun knows, it's Alex Smith. <laughs> oh, was- I thought it was Cam Newton. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, no. Sorry. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, no, okay. To be okay. fair to Daniel Jones, and this kind of, I guess, works perfectly with Alex Smith last year for the Chiefs, he can throw a pretty deep ball. Yeah. It's not always accurate, but he can throw a pretty deep ball. And I think you saw that with Alex Smith a little bit as last year with the Chiefs as well, getting a little air under it, letting Tyree kill pretty much the only person run underneath it. I think some of the, I think some of the mechanical nature of, of Daniel Jones, too. You know, where, you know, like everybody lauds Daniel Jones for his mechanics in, in, in some of the simple basic stuff. And like it's it kind of speaks to Alex Smith to the way he's very thorough and detailed with all those little things. It's the same kind of thing. OK, Craig, you're up. Yeah. Uh, my next guy is cornerback Michael Jackson. Not that one. Not the dead one. He's uh, he's from Miami. <laughs> he played but, quarterback. Yeah, he did. He did. He, he didn't I steal this from. I can't remember who I saw it on Twitter, but he didn't backpedal. He moonwalked. Um, <laughs> Is he a smooth criminal? Stealing criminal. stealing balls, stealing them. <laughs> so anyway, he is a big, physical, press only corner. Doesn't have really ideal ball skills, but he's very long. He's fast enough to run with guys, but not like super fast. You still got to keep a safety over the top of him. Former chief, Sean Smith. Ah. Yeah. Did, uh, uh, he, did Michael Jackson do any time recently? Was he in no. the slammer at all? Okay. No, 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 no. He's no, coming no. from Miami, so. <laughs> he might, but no, he, he is a good football player that needs to be locked into a press man scheme. He's really not going to work outside of that. And he just really made me think of Sean Smith the entire time that I was walk, watching his tape. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's his footwork is good enough that when playing in press man, he's not like ever in a bad situation. It's just once you get him away from a receiver and he has to react, rely on his athleticism or the ability to flip his hips, it just starts to get a little ugly. And I think Chiefs fans are very familiar with that. The few times you did see Sean Smith attempt to not play on the line of scrimmage. So I I think it's another comp that works out very well. Maddie, you got Miles Boykin. Tell us about him. So Miles Boykin is a very big 
extremely athletic, almost to most people's surprise wide receiver that just absolutely blew the doors off the combine. College production's a little bit limited coming out of a relatively run-first offense where he just didn't see a lot of passes. When he did get thrown the ball, usually on vertical, long, deep throws, like a chief player that we all know and hold very dear to our hearts, he struggles to change directions a little bit, has a hard time gearing down. So Miles Boykin, wide receiver out of Notre Dame, compares to... Any guesses? Do we have any guesses? Does he play Star Wars? He does not play Star Wars, but he might direct Star Wars. Chris Conley, who is now of the Jaguars. But yeah, Miles Boykin, to me, just is a similar player in terms of the whole profile coming out, not even just athletically or play style, just from the lack of production given the offense. You wonder what kind of usage he's going to get in the NFL. He's a little bit raw with some of his play, but he looks a little bit more limited as an athlete rather than an all-around wide receiver. But maybe he can progress like Chris Conlon did and earn himself a nice, good second contract somewhere. Gregory, you got Uh, the next guy. Yeah, I got the next guy. Yeah, Uh, Cornerback out of Notre Dame. His name is Julian Love. He is a smaller guy, probably resigned to the slot at the next level. He's especially good in zone, but he's not terribly long. He does struggle to carry guys vertically from the slot. He's not the fastest player in the world. Hmm. (laughs) But he does have good ball skills and really good footwork and really fluid hips as well. A guy that's currently... He's a good football character too, right? Good football character, really good football Does he smile at people watching him in training camp? Oh, man, if we draft Uh, Julian Love and he doesn't smile at me, I'm going to have a problem. (laughs) Uh, He compares very favorably to Kendall Fult. Like, I I think I said that uh, after, like, half a game of watching him. I put that in the chat that this dude is Kendall Fuller. He's going to be a really good football player. I just don't – yeah, yeah, he's Kendall Fuller, yeah. Maddie. All right, next up we have Zach Allen, the defensive lineman from Boston College. And I very strategically said defensive lineman because he's a little bit of a defensive end in college, and he'll probably play a little bit there in the NFL. He's kind of got the body type and athletic profile that he might profile better on the inside, especially on pass rushing downs as a three-tech. Zach Allen's super technical with his hands, so it kind of gets a little bit mixed here. But he's not a great athlete, super technical with his hands, prefers to rush through with power, has a hard time turning, kind of moves up and down the field like a crocodile, but he has a relentless <laughs> motor, and he's going to chase everything down that he can. So this is another current Kansas City Chief that may have played out of position at some point in time with them. Do we have any guesses on the uh, crocodile comp? Chris Jones. D'Anthony Thomas. Well, that would be a small alligator, but um, no, we're going to go with Breland Speaks here on this one. I will say I think Zach Allen's a little bit more refined as a pass rusher than Breland Speaks is, but I think Breland Speaks counters that just by being a little bit better in space. Like when he's not connected to a blocker, he looks a little bit better than Zach Allen, who just looks like he's seeking out contact at all times. But this the ability to play inside, outside, a little bit more of a power rusher and a guy that just has that versatility. They kind of remind me a lot of each other, guys that you're not 100% sure what you're going to do with going into the NFL. Okay, I got the last one, and we're actually not going to reveal this one. We're going to turn it into a promo code. So uh, the last name of the player comp for this guy. Tony Richardson. No. Go to gum.co slash KC draft, and you will get a free draft guide if you're the first person 
to give me this player comp. This is Clayton Thorson. He is a quarterback from Northwestern. He uh, started a lot of games. He had a, he had a long, illustrious career at Northwestern, beloved by that fan base. Uh, about 6'4", 222 pounds. Uh, kind of wasn't a super accurate player, but... Um, you know, kind of, kind of settled in that like 59, 60% completion range. People really think that Clayton Thorson is going to be a day three steal at the quarterback position. So there's a lot of people out there that are trying to hype this kid up. It, you know, even though the production may not be there. Yes. He's, he's played a lot of games in his career, He's a really smart, cerebral player. He's a tough player, and he's beloved by that community. Um, and he's a real American. So I'm going to throw out a quick hint, too, because this kind of was a name popped up through some of this. His throwing motion does not look like Kevin Hogan's. So if that was going to be your guess, please don't put in Kevin Hogan. <laughs> no. That, I, I think I gave enough hints there. But uh, if the, the, last, the last name of uh, this player go to gum.co slash KC draft you get a free guide I think you can figure it out um, and just so you know we gave a player comp for every single write-up that we have uh, so you there's there's 225 plus player comps in this thing so you get a, a player comparison for every player in this in this whole thing we were we're gonna take a break and then we will be right back after that with uh, with some trade strategy, some defensive end analysis, and some cornerback athletic testing analysis. And we are back. Time to talk about the three features that we have in the KC Draft Guide. And I think they're all going to kind of apply to, to this draft in particular for a variety of reasons. The first thing that... I want to kind of talk about something I sat down to write. It's a, it's an article kind of talking about uh, draft strategies and draft tendencies of Brett Veach. And what's crazy is you're not supposed to have a large sample size of draft capital trades in a year and a half. But Brett Veach has made so many moves that like there's a lot of things to kind of look back and say like this is how he valued certain players and and, and that kind of stuff. Last year, he traded up, was it three or four times in last year's draft? Was it three? I think it was just three, right? It was he just was three. three, but they got the extra picks with the one of them. So yeah, yeah it kind of made it seem a different well, and then that's the that's the approach that I, I want to talk about first is um, one of the things that Brett Veach did last year with the Bengals is when he traded up for Breland Speaks, uh, when he traded up for Breland Speaks, he moved from <laughs> 54 to 46. You mean Zach Allen? Yeah, sorry, Zach Allen, my fault. They're, they're going to take they're going to take Zach Allen this year. You know that, right? I thought we decided they were taking Jalen Ferguson. At uh, probably both. I mean, both of them are good football players. Both of them have played corner. Um, anyway, so what, on the ground, except for during the three cone. One of the strategies that they used um, last year was they swapped two picks for two picks with the Bengals because Brett Veach wanted to keep the same amount of picks. So uh, last year he traded. 
his 54th pick and his 78th pick to get pick 46 and pick 100. So he kept the same volume. I could see the Chiefs doing that. Um, what if, you know, so what if they were able, what if they did wind up going with that kind of strategy? Guys, how would you feel about, I'll ask you this, Matty. If they traded up for uh, Sean Bunting at 51, if they traded pick 61 and 63 to trade up for Sean Bunting at 51 and then get pick 83, how would you feel about that, Matty? I don't mind the trade. I mean, over. I like Sean Bunting as a player. I think he really is going to fit what the Chiefs are doing. So I like getting the player. I'm still not 100% sure that I'm on board with jumping forward if we're still just taking a tier, like not even tier, just like a group, the second group of corners. I think there's going to be one there in the late of the second round. But if you really like Bunting, if you have him separated from the rest of the guys kind of in that same group of where we have them graded, then yeah, I like the value of getting back 83 if you're going to go ahead and send both of your second round picks to get up there. Sure. Um, and then the other approach that I kind of, you know, I could see them Chiefs doing is just a simple trade up. So like if the Chiefs were to move up from 23 or from 29 with pick 92 to 23 and take a guy like Clellan Farrell, Craig, how would you feel about that? I'm running around screaming in excited nature. <laughs> we got a, a long, good edge that would probably slot in as one of the Chiefs best pass rushers in year one, he'd be able to be in that rotation. He'd take that entire position up another notch. I'd be ecstatic with Cleveland Farrell, and I think that that's a bargain to just give up a third to go up and get him. And based on the trade chart, to get to 23, 29 and 92 is all it's going to take. And that's one of the things that we have in this feature is you can look and see it, like the trade chart and kind of see how all these picks are valued and kind of add up and come up with the strategy. So these were actually even trades the same way that it was an even trade for Brett Veach to move up to trade with the Bengals, you know, trying to keep the draft value kind of the same. So you've got a full chart to kind of look at the Chiefs picks. And then whenever they do make a move, because Brett Veach is going to make a move, you can kind of see how much they gave up based on that trade chart. And that trade chart that we use is it's an adjusted one from recent that kind of used the NFL's history to kind of um, kind of get a, an accurate representation. So, you know, those are two, those are two trades that I think the Chiefs could make and still end up with three top 100 picks. Like if the Chiefs move up to the first round, if they're going to, if they're going to, if, if the Chiefs move up in the first round to get a guy like Colin Farrell, for instance, I think they've got to keep the same amount of picks and I could see them doing one of those two for two trades if one of those teams in the fifties is interested. Like that's one thing I could very realistically see him doing. So guys, I'm going to ask Maddie this. If you ended up with Cullen Farrell, Sean Bunting, and let's say Amani Hooker with uh, with pick 83 when you when they, when they traded 51 and 83 for like 61 and 63. If you ended up with Farrell, Bunting, and Amani Hooker, what do you grade that? What, what do you grade that draft as? I mean, for me, as those first three picks right there, it's going to be an A, a hard A, maybe edging on an A plus because it quite simply is a great draft. I think you get your impact starter from your round one pick. You get a guy that's going to come in, like Craig said, he's probably the best outside pass rusher on day one for the Chiefs. You follow that up with a cornerback that has one of the higher ceilings in this class. 
He's a little raw still, but he's just a super athlete, plays incredibly physical, and he's an ex-wide receiver that at times, like when he recognizes a route, he almost runs it the same way the wide receiver does. And then Hooker's just solid. I think he's underrated in this process right now. I'm going to make my Iowa fans happy because they've kind of been following me pretty closely this uh, this draft season because Anthony Nelson, Amani Hooker, two guys that are super underrated out of Iowa right now that no one's talking about for some reason. So I would love to snag Hooker in the third round. I think you get a great, super intelligent safety that can play a little bit of everywhere. And I think he has the intelligence and traits to play on that back end to pair with Honey Badger. So I feel great about this draft. Yeah, that's and not only that, all of these guys have ridiculously high football character. Mm-hmm. Cleveland Farrell and Amani Hooker, especially, have super high football IQ. Sean Bunting's a guy that, like Matt said, he he has really excellent route recognition. He's just raw. He needs to have his technique cleaned up a little bit, and when that happens, he has the same sort of top end as a lot of the guys in this class. And it's not a great class, but. You could still go out and get a guy that has this ridiculously high ceiling and be able to pair him with two guys with that kind of football IQ. That's a slam dunk draft for me. And so what we did is we looked at, I looked at several just draft trades. So we looked at, we looked at the Patrick Mahomes trade. Uh, we looked at the D Ford trade. We looked at a lot of the trades from, from the 2018 draft, just to kind of look and see how Brett Veach has utilized his capital and how he's actually valued players based on the capital that he gave up or acquired. So uh, it's worth. I, I, I'm. I'm really. I'm happy with how it turned out, and, and and I think the trade chart itself is something that Chiefs fans will be able to use on draft day to just to kind of get an idea of of how Veach has maneuvered the board because you know he's going to. Um, so, Maddie, you did something I thought that was really cool. You kind of took a look at Steve Spagnuolo's defensive ends, and you kind of analyzed what he likes in those players. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I was kind of playing around with different feature ideas, and I had one in mind that I felt pretty good about, and right as I was getting ready to go get started on it, actually, Craig pitched us the idea for his feature, and I was like, oh, wow, that is so much better than mine right now. I have to go back to the drawing board. So like, I'm sitting there, I'm racking my head for what I can pull up out of here that's going to even rival that, and I came up with a little bit of an idea. We all hear about, like, we all know Michael Strahan, OCU Minora, Justin Tuck. We know of the defensive ends that Steve Spagnuolo has coached in the past. But what about everybody? Like, we just know those three guys. And we want to, you know, draw conclusions from those three guys. But the thing is, he didn't even actually bring in any of those three players at any point in time. They were on the team. And he just happened to inherit them and then use them. So what I wanted to do is I started with all the defensive ends that he's drafted as either a defensive coordinator or a head coach, and I did skip his stint with the Saints because he really had no control there. He was just along for the ride for that crazy year. But I went back and looked at every defensive end he drafted. Then I went and looked at every free agent that his team signed, whether it was an unrestricted free agent that he re-signed to the same team or somebody he brought in from the outside. And finally, I went through and looked at every single defensive end that either played significant snaps or recorded stats for him for all these years and just started looking for any correlations between whether it was combine results, playing weight, height, weight, just everything I could possibly find. And we kind of got a little bit of what I call Spagnola's style of defensive end out of it. There's a very clear evidence for what he's looking for out there. If you just look at what he's brought in, yeah, you find outliers from here and there, but the guys that had success with him and the guys he targets have a very specific profile 
in terms of their height, their weight, how long their arms are, and their combine measurables. So I just wanted to look through all that and then start to splice it into this year's draft and see who the Chiefs might be targeting in this draft if he's going to follow the same trends he has throughout his career. Okay, Maddie, what I want to do now is just kind of is ask you about a few guys here and just kind of explain whether or not they fit the Spagnolo criteria. We're going to start with a guy that probably is pretty obvious because we're mocking him to you know to, to the Chiefs a lot and talking about him, Clellan Farrell. Right. So Clellan Farrell and my love for Clellan Farrell started way before I even started this exercise. And even just thinking about Spagnola, he was like, no, he perfectly fits. But now that I ran through all the numbers, like he is a guy that fits every single criteria that follows Spagnola's like we're calling them preferred defensive ends, you know, these preferred traits. We all know D Ford didn't fit the scheme but it wasn't even as much fitting the scheme. He just wasn't a Spagnuolo-type defensive end for this defense. Cleveland Farrell is that. He is everything that they're looking for to a T in terms of the athletic or just player profile on paper. So he's a perfect fit. And there's a couple other guys that go in the first round. Pretty much all your first-round defensive ends are pretty close. Okay, let's go with another guy here uh, that you see a lot. And we've talked about him some. Chase Winovich from Michigan. So here's the thing. I was pretty early on Chase Winovich. I thought he was a very good football player. I know a lot of people chalked it up to motor, try hard stuff. Like, no, he can play. He's got good tape out there. And I still believe that. You're starting to see him creep up into first rounds. I'd be a little surprised if Chase Winovich was a highly targeted, you know, just a high up there on the Chiefs list of guys because he actually did not hit any or he, yeah, he didn't hit any of the three main criteria that I laid out wow. for the speed style, style of defensive end. And he hit one of the secondary uh, traits that we we're going to look at, but he didn't hit any of the three main ones. So he would just be the ultimate outlier, something that has not happened at any point in time in any of these defensive events for him in the past. That's that's kind of a bummer for some people, I know. Um, yeah, and he's got a big fan base, so I get it. And he's a good player, so I'm not saying this absolutely won't happen. There's definitely going to be outliers. Just at any point in time in his career, there has not been somebody that has missed all three primary traits that I'm looking at here that has been brought in or played significant snaps for Steve Spagnuolo. So just temper the excitement if you're hoping for Chase Winovich. Okay, let's talk about Charles Amenehu, a guy that's made rounds and I wrote about recently. So Charles Amenehu, if you're going based on the combine, like I talked about a second ago, there's primary traits, which there's three of them. And then I found two, I call them secondary traits, which I didn't use those really to rule out, rule out anybody or take them off the list. But it's just worth noting that these guys were either a little bit heavier than the preference or maybe not. They didn't fit a specific athletic matrix or metric, sorry, that we were looking for. Charles Menehue falls into that group. He's just a little bit outside of one of the secondary traits that we looked at, but he hit the other three, so I'd say he's still got a good chance of being on there. The secondary traits that we're looking at just weren't as important. Like, they were there. There's a, still a very clear pattern, but he's more willing to stray on these secondary traits, and I outlined it, the whole thing in the feature on why he's willing to do this. It's just things that are a little bit less important to his style of play that he likes. So, Omenehue's a guy... Hits the three primary traits, hits only one of the two secondary traits. But again, it's not a big deal, I don't think, in terms of thinking about wanting him. Another guy, that, like Omenihu, he actually lost weight for his pro day, which puts him fully hitting every single trait. Another guy that kind of mattered, Porter Gustin. We're going to talk him up every single <laughs> podcast we do. Added some weight. He hits every single metric as well for this. I just had to work that in there before Kent could yell at me. I mean... <laughs> It, I'm not even mad at this point. The bid is strong. 
Uh, can you give us one player who just missed the cut in meeting those thresholds? So this one hurts me a little bit, but Christian Miller is a guy that Pour does not hit these thresholds. Edge rusher out of Alabama. I love Christian Miller's tape. I love his upside, but he's just simply not what we're looking for in the profile, similar to Chase Winovich. Good tape, good player. I think he's going to have a good career in the NFL when somebody drafts him. I'm just not 100% sure the Chiefs are looking at him, at least at defensive end. So I'm giving myself that slight slimmer of hope that they play him off ball or do something a little different than they have in the past. But it's a defensive end. I just don't think he's going to be their highest priority based on this kind of athletic profile. Rush Sam. Let's go Rush Sam. I mean, hey, I've heard worse ideas. Honestly, like, I'm super fascinated to see who they bring. I, they're going to draft a Sam type, right? I mean, they have Again, to like day three. They have to. Damian Wilson is just here for two years, basically, and they can get out of it next year. Yeah. There's, like, there's basically nothing guaranteed to him next year. So, yeah, that feels like they're hedging their bets, and they're going to try and take a guy to fill in that role here in this draft. This the question is, what kind of Sam is it going to be? Is it yeah. going to be another Damian Wilson type Sam or a Devin Kennard type Sam that can rush a little bit, but is more just kind of a guy out there that can play a little bit of coverage, can play off-ball linebacker traditionally and rush, or are they going to go all out with that rush Sam, which I think we would all want that, just mm-hmm. will they do that? They just need to find a way to get more pass rush productivity. And if it's investing early in a rush Sam, like, okay, that would be kind of interesting. But, like, it's... It's going to be fascinating to see how they approach this. They just got to keep compiling players that have the ability to rush and just hope to get enough pressure on the quarterback with with the you know sum of all those guys. So uh, the last one we want to talk about, Craig, you did a deep dive on cornerbacks and athletic testing. I'll let you talk a little bit about it. Yeah, I went back and I looked from the 2010 draft and on. I looked at every cornerback that was drafted and every cornerback that participated in the combine, that's 383 cornerbacks in that pool since 2010. So this year's draft will be now the decade mark. That will be 10 drafts in a row to kind of evaluate the athletic testing element of it. Now, film matters. Good football players obviously can make up for some of their athletic deficiencies. And athletic freaks that are bad football players still are bad football players. However, looking at the data there, looking at size, length, you know, uh, ability to explosive ability, vertical jump, broad jump, 40 time, these all do matter. You know, if you're long enough to cover any blend of wide receiver, you're not going to get taken off the field. You're going to be more coveted. If you can run fast, you can cover. All sorts of speeds of wide receiver. I mean, these things do matter in the NFL, regardless of if you're just considering them as the quote-unquote underwear Olympics. Now, I looked at all of these, and I came up with a weighted formula, kind of looking at various thresholds that I saw in the data compared to... Yes, absolutely a nerd. This was a thing that I brought up, and it consumed me. Like, I... (laughs) I had a problem. (laughs) I I spent days on it because it consumed me. I was looking for correlations in the data between all of these contributing cornerbacks. And I'm not just looking at great cornerbacks, although I do have data about guys who made the Pro Bowl, first-team Pro Bowlers, all all pros as well, that's in there. But I was just looking for guys that, like, 
started on average half the games of their career or started a full season for a team or played over 60% of the snaps, you know, in the slot for various teams throughout multiple seasons in their career. So just looking for guys that could produce, not necessarily great cornerbacks, but could produce. And guys of those 383, only a quarter of those guys produced. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you kind of, and I, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, actually, I know the answer to this. You you created a four tier system, correct? I did. Yes, I, I should talk about that. Yeah, there are four distinct tiers in these groups of data: tier one athletes, tier two athletes, three, four, obviously. Innovative. Yeah. No, Innovative. I know. <laughs> I, listen, I come up with the numbers, and I'll come up with the creativity stuff, but uh, we don't need it. Yeah, no, I don't need it. And I separated all that out in the feature so you can kind of read about success rates of drafting guys in those tiers. And I even broke it out by round as well so that you can kind of see where those sweet spots are for various tiers. Okay, Matt, uh, Craig, I want you to reveal one player per tier, if that's okay. Well, we're going to start with tier four. Tier four has a low success rate in the NFL. There are obvious anomalies. There's anomalies in every single tier. But Hamp Cheevers is a Tier 4 athlete and... A Tier 1 name. Yeah, a Tier 1 name for, <laughs> you beat for me, certain. But out of, out of Boston College, he's just short. And he's small and he's not... You know, he, he's 5'9 and less than 170 pounds. And he's got short arms, and he's not particularly fast. His path to success in the NFL, and I like him as a player. His tape is fun, but his path to success in the NFL is going to be a little bit of an uphill climb because he's just going to get bodied by every single slot receiver. Uh, let's talk about Tier 3. Tier 3 might surprise some people. He's he's my guy. Bayron Murphy oh. is a Tier 3 athlete now this again hurts. <laughs> does not take him off the table there are plenty of tier three athletes that make it but his size and athletic ability traditionally have not resulted in the best you know uh, the best draft picks for teams in the past 10 years so that's that's a bit of a question mark for him and i think we see that in the nfl when people talk about him now to it. make people feel a little bit better though when you have a guy that has tape as good as Byron Murphy, does being a tier three athlete kind of what is what changes when you're looking at a guy that has tape as good as Byron Murphy versus a guy like uh, that might not have near as good tape and is looking more like a day three pick that's also a tier three athlete? Oh, I, you know these these tiers should not be like you you shouldn't be taking all tier one athletes in round one. That that's just not the case. Film is king. The ability to play football is king here. And Byron Murphy can play football. Like, I, there is zero doubt in my mind that even as a Tier 3 athlete, that Byron Murphy is going to be a very productive cornerback. He is my favorite cornerback in this class. And I fully believe that he is going to be a very, very good corner for throughout the life of his you know football career here. But traditionally in the past decade those types of guys haven't really performed as well unless you're drafting them in the first round which hey byron murphy probably pick 29 yeah byron's an outlier outlier on that 
I mean, yeah. let's just let's just be real. Okay, tier two. Give me tier two player. Uh, a tier two player, guy that we talk about a lot, Justin Lane out of Michigan State, guy Ooh. that just missed tier one testing. Uh, his his forty time wasn't as good as some of these tier one guys, and so he's a guy that's going to kind of slot in into that second tier there, just missing the mark. There's a lot of success in you know flirting around that tier one tier two range i i think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense for the chiefs and he's got the athletic profile to match it and uh craig we might have mocked a tier one cornerback earlier today talking through the draft trade game haven't we yes we have sean bunting out of central michigan is a tier one athletic tester and you need to read the feature to see how much of a difference being a tier one athletic tester is even over tier two. Not not including three and four. There's a steady drop off as it goes down, but the difference between tier one and tier two athletic testing is so significant from a success rate. It is staggering. You just need to go and read it and kind of see some of the examples I gave and some of the data that I give you. That was an elite tease, my man. Like, That's right. That, that would you say a, that was a tier one tease? Uh, that was a tier one tease. That was maybe an Isaiah Johnson level of tease. Oh. Oh. Okay, <laughs> Maddie. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are exceptional at this. Wow. So that cheese has no ankles. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> it doesn't have a great base, but uh, but it, but it gets going places. Oh, my see, goodness. Sean Bunting is a guy that has a lot of hype, and part of that is because of that athletic testing. That doesn't mean that I want Sean Bunting in round one. Sean Bunting, no. Bunting is going to be a very good player, but I think when it comes to those round tiers – using these sort of athletic measures can kind of help prioritize some guys over others. It's a cluster buster in a lot of ways. It is. You've got, it is you've got guys buster. with similar tapes. If you guys got a lot of round two kind of cornerbacks, which guess what? We do. Lot. Yeah. This is a way to help you sort through these guys and, and find guys that might be more outliers than others when it comes to their athletic testing. I'm really excited for y'all to see this. We're all really excited to see this, or for you guys to see this. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you all for buying. Um, the fact that there's 18 people that have given this thing a five-star review before <laughs> anybody's actually seen it, like you don't know how much that means to us, the amount of trust you put crazy. into our work. You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy. But um, we can't wait for you all to see this, and, and you can see it. Uh, whenever you're listening to this, you're most likely able to see it. It should have dropped by the time this pod goes up. So um, we're going we're gonna to be back on Wednesday. We'll be back on Friday with the normal schedule. That's going to do it for us here. Thank you for, uh, thank you for buying into this thing, and we will catch you later this week. We love you. Thank you for buying.